Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. Glad to be back with everybody this week. I'm your host, Jacob Robury, and guys, it has been a couple of days, it seems like, since we last spoke. We're excited to be back in the studio this week, getting back together with everybody. Hope you are all doing fine. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. And really, guys, the, the reason we weren't with y'all last week is just a lot of stuff has been going on. You know how it is in the springtime and into the summertime. The crawfish balls here in Louisiana, the crab balls, the kids are playing sports. The fishing's hot. There's just a lot of activities going on. So that's pretty much how it is here in the Robery household over the last week or two. So sometimes we just don't have the, the time to, to meet up and record a new episode in the springtime, but you know what? That's okay because when we do get together, it makes it all that much better. And I am really excited to get back into the studio this week and talk to you guys about the outdoors here in Louisiana. Uh, even though there's a <laughs> pretty much the hot topic lately has been the weather here in Louisiana, it just seems like we cannot catch a break with Mother Nature as far as the rain goes. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. It has been crazy. You get two to three days of good sunshine, you know, beautiful days. And then besides that, you get four or five days in a row where we have rain and just torrential severe weather, downpours. Um, it's, it's crazy, you know, and it's funny how everybody we you talk to kind of has that same story. They say, man, you know, it don't just rain anymore. It's, it's always storming. And, uh, and it's the truth. It really is the truth. That's how it goes, you know. We had a beautiful weekend um, here in Louisiana over the last couple of days. And uh, instead of hitting the water this past weekend, we did something that we haven't done in quite a while. Um, and what we did was we got the family. I purchased tickets online to LSU baseball this weekend. And we went out to Alex Box Stadium, guys, and we watched some baseball at the box on Sunday on my day off. And I have to tell you, we could not have asked for better weather. And, uh, I mean, sunshine, temperatures aren't steaming, scorching hot right now. You know, with the last couple of days we've had it in the, uh, you know, the low 80s during the day, mid 80s, maybe if it touches mid 80s. But just all in all, a great Sunday to go watch a baseball game. And, uh, and you know, here in Louisiana, LSU sports and, and sports in general is something that is near and dear to most of our hearts as Louisiana residents. So, we really enjoyed it. Being a graduate of LSU myself and my wife, we are really trying to get the boys acclimated to, to you know, going to sporting events, to enjoy it like we did, um, especially when we were coming up. I remember those those first trips I took out to, you know, Tiger Stadium to watch football games with my grandparents and my parents. And just that's memories that you really just never forget, much like we talk about when you're hunting uh, or you're teaching, you know, a youngster to go out and fish for the first time introducing them to the outdoors a lot of people can relate to the same situations and instances when it comes to sports here in louisiana or whatever state you're from you know but uh the alabama crimson tide which is one of our biggest rivalries came to town this weekend and uh you know lsu baseball has really been up and down this this year it really has it's a uh, it's been a tough year for for tiger fans this year because we started out so slow um, you know, there's been a lot of swirl and rumors around Paul Maneri, the head coach at LSU, um, and whether or not he's going to stick around or if LSU is going to keep him around. And there's a lot of speculation, as there always is with most college sports. That's a very 
hard profession to make it in. You a you a hero one day and a zero the next day, and you know that's just how it goes in that world. But uh, but you know we enjoyed it. The Tigers needed a, a big win this weekend to keep their postseason hopes alive. And uh, and without sounding too much like a sports commentator here on this podcast. Uh, you know, it just ended up being a great weekend with the Tigers pulling out their first series win at home this season for the 2021 season and uh, had a really nice day out of the box yesterday, like I mentioned, with good weather. And uh, and Jackson even and Hudson got to meet lots of the players yesterday before the game on the field, got some autographs, and then me and Jackson hung around after the game yesterday and uh, was able to meet up with some of the players, and he was able to take some photographs with him, get some additional autographs. And he, he had a blast, had a really good time. So all in all, we cannot complain. A great weekend, uh, enjoying, like I said, the nice weather that we did have for a couple of days. But then now as we fast forward to the beginning of the work week, we're looking at rain in the forecast for the next several days, guys. So, you know, having been on the water, I mentioned that a lot. We actually, like I said, went out to, to do something a little different this weekend. And to be honest with you, it's because with all the rain we've been getting here in Louisiana, the water systems have been so jacked up. The, uh, we have high water pretty much all across the state. I know, you know, Monday, as we sit on Monday, Tuesday, more rain just sweeping through the state. And our our river systems, our lakes have all been, you know, just pounded with, with fresh water, uh, causing the water to rise. And it just hasn't been really best conditions for, for the fishing. Um, and, you know, now with the spring's pretty much squirrel season coming to an end now, um, you know, the hunting season, we have to look forward to teal season next. So, you know, September, as we sit today, we are middle part of May. And looking at it, we're not that far away from teal season, guys. So just hang in there. I promise you, if you're not a, if you're not a fisherman and you, you predominantly hunt, you don't have that far to go before we're going to be back in the swing of things. Between bow season and teal season coming up, uh, over the next several months, we're not that far down the road. It's hard to believe we are already midpoint of the year almost. We're just a month away from the midpoint of the year. So if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, wow, 2021 is is just flying. Um, and it is. I mean, it is flying. That's all I could say. Um, but we continue. We continue to do some fishing throughout the rest of the summer. As it warms up, we're going to start getting those warmer temperatures. Hopefully, we'll get some of these water levels to start stabilizing. And uh, and then from there, we could uh, hopefully the fishing will pick back up. You know, we could get back on them again, start catching some of those saccolets, start catching some bass, whatever you want to do, get out to the marshes, do some saltwater fishing. I know crawfish season is still in full swing right now. A lot of friends are boiling crawfish right now. Um, they are starting to harden up a little bit, but here – uh, in Louisiana, we probably have about another solid month, especially with the spillway crawfish coming in. And guys, they are some absolute monsters this year, these spillway crawfish. So I've got to eat some from several crawfish balls we've had with friends, and they are, have been just very, very, very good size this year. Good harvest, good crops this year. And, uh, and crawfish season has been very, very strong. Now, Crabs are really starting to pick up. You know, we do have some reports that the crabs have been running in Lake Maripal, uh, the mouth of the pass over at Manchac Pass between Lake Pontchartrain and Lake Maripal. So that's something that we uh, we had some reports on that came in. Um, if you're into catfishing, catfishing has been exceptionally uh, strong in the Lake Verret area. So Lake Verret has been producing good, good numbers, good catches of uh, catfish. 
with all this high muddy water, it seems like a lot of people are having a lot of success if you like to go catfishing in that area. So that may be something you want to get out with the kiddos, uh, get you some night crawlers, get you some uh, worms, and go out and have a good time with everybody, catch, catch you a nice chest full of catfish. But, uh, but yeah, besides that, it has kind of been hit or miss with the fishing. The sackalay, the bass, all that type of stuff um, has been hit or miss with the high water. But you know what? That's, that's all we can deal with right now. You either go or you don't go. And most of us off on the weekend, we're going to go either way. So I know I'm like that when, I'm, when I want to go, I want to go, you know. And that's just the way it is. You're going to take the weather the way it comes for the most part. So that's pretty much the, the, the you know, why we stayed off the water for the most part lately because of the high water, like I mentioned. But that don't mean it's going to keep us off the water for very long, guys. I promise you that. We're, if the weather ends up clearing up this coming weekend, we'll probably be out taking the, uh, taking the Ranger boat back out of the garage and heading down somewhere to do some fishing this weekend. So, but like I mentioned, I am really excited about getting back with you guys this week. I have a guest that's going to join us on the show. Uh, Mr. Chris Thornton from Cajun Tackle House down in Morgan City, Louisiana. We're going to get to know him. If you don't know Chris, you don't know his company, Cajun Tackle House. They're another phenomenal local Louisiana-owned and operated company that started here in Louisiana, which we have a, a special connection to them um, as far as being last stop waterfowl, having a connection to Cajun Tackle House. We'll explain to you guys. We'll tell you the story on that. And a lot more as we welcome Mr. Chris Thornton from Cajun Tackle House to the show after the break. We're going to take a quick break right here, guys. And when we come back, we'll have Chris and we're going to start talking fishing, uh, check in with him on some of the local tournaments that's been going on in the area, and a lot more with Mr. Chris Thornton of Cajun Tackle House. Y'all stay tuned, guys. We'll be back after the break. You are tuned in to the Last Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. And before the break, guys, we were talking about having a guest on the show with us this week. And uh, that's always one of my favorite times whenever we have a guest join us on the show. And this week, I'm really excited to have one of my good buddies, Mr. Chris Thornton from Cajun Tackle House down in Morgan City, Louisiana, get on the show and uh, on the cast with us this week. And I think you guys are really going to be entertained. If you don't know Chris and his company, Cajun Tackle House, uh, down in South Louisiana, then guys, you definitely have not been in the fishing game uh, for very long because Cajun Tackle House is a privately owned tackle company that started out here in Louisiana um, and has grown over the years and has now become not only a statewide uh, known company, but also is very popular out of state with a lot of anglers from across the United States. So I'm excited to introduce my good friend and guest this week on the show, Mr. Chris Thornton. Chris, how's it going, man? Going good. And yourself, bud? Good, bud, man. What's been going on? I know we ain't got to catch up a whole lot. We're both pretty busy men, and uh, it's that time of year, I know, for you right now as well as it is for me. So how's it been going, man? Good, good, man. Just uh, just doing what we do best, uh, make baits that catch fish. <laughs> that's right make base they catch fish that's 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 an understatement i would say man but uh what's going on with this weather chris what's happening man here in louisiana it's like it's, it's kind of like we in hurricane season right now but we're not in hurricane season it don't want to stop raining what's 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 going on with that i have no idea i don't know what season you want to call it but it's raining you could swear it's a hurricane coming through a mile one at least 
Yeah, I'm with you, man. Today, you know, we were leaving work today, and that wind was pumping pretty good, man. I feel bad for, uh, you know, cutting across from Hammond back to Ascension Parish, man. Um, I really feel bad for, uh, the, you know, all those people in Manchac, all those areas. I know um, those camps that I've seen this afternoon on the way back with that big south wind pumping was flooding a lot of those camps. Um, if you listen to the show and you're in that area, uh, you know, I, I feel for you guys. We could kind of relate to you, you know, when we went through the flood in 2016. And, uh, and Chris, for all the listeners out there, you are you are based out of Morgan City, Louisiana, or should I say Stevensville, Louisiana, I guess, huh? Uh, that's correct. Yes, uh, we're we're located not far from uh, from Dry Run's Landing that most people in the area are familiar with. And uh, our shop uh, is on the water. And uh, matter of fact, we got about four more inches uh, before I guess the water would enter the shop. So hopefully, we don't get to that point. Yeah, man. I, I hope I hope y'all stay safe and dry over there. Or, you know, nobody needs to have to deal with all this uh this mother nature and this inclement weather you know this early in the year before we get into hurricane season because man chris it's hard to believe we already now mid part of may we are heading into uh hurricane season like i mentioned just a couple of weeks away man it seems i don't know about you but it seems to me like 2021 is just absolutely flying it is man it's uh it's rolling by it seems like uh the older we get the faster it goes it, it's true it's, uh, that is very true i promise you and i'm i'm a little older than you so trust me once it once you get a little older you'll probably say it moves a little quicker i know i know our fathers always say that and our grandparents and it seems to be true as i'm getting older man well i know you said you've been busy rocking and rolling man you know i follow i follow you on social media quite a bit with with the cajun tackle house social media pages and uh and you know a lot of people are very familiar with Cajun Tackle House being from a you know down in South Louisiana um but you know you kind of dabble in a little bit of everything with the company um everything from lore building to now you a big part of your business which we'll talk about is uh is rod building which is a very competitive market uh especially with custom rod builders these days um, but you you kind of have a one-stop shop, man. You you kind of do it all. And for those of, of the listeners out there who aren't really, you know, familiar or really might not even know the backstory, wh- how did you get into the tackle business, man? What what drew you to that side of it? Well, uh, you know, I, I was kind of like most other people um, at, at a young age, you know, fishing all the time and uh, just – dibbling in and making your own baits right i mean uh i'm sure you can recall years ago there wasn't a whole lot to choose from and it seemed like to to really get what you wanted you you had to go buy three spinner baits and you might take the frame off of one and take the blades off of another one and you know the skirt off the third one and you start making your own stuff to kind of tweak it the way you wanted to and uh you know some of my my what used to be my favorite uh favorite lures you know those guys are no longer in business and you couldn't get pieces and parts anymore, but, um, you know, so just kind of broke off into, uh, we kind of started building for myself and, um, you know, uh, it just kind of grew from there. It's, uh, we've been doing it a while and, and we're growing fast and, uh, we're doing everything we can do to, to keep up with the man. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, when you say you started dabbling, do kind of building some of your own lures, was it mainly because you weren't happy what was available in the stores, the tackle shops, 
uh, growing up, or was it that you just you, you kind of tweaked it to your likes, and, or or you thought you could maybe do it a little bit better? What 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 kind of drew you to the to the customization side of it? Well, uh, to answer your question, it was a little bit of both, uh, right? Um, and you know that's kind of where the the custom side of things comes in because you know uh, one of my personal beliefs that uh, what a fisherman has confidence in is sometimes more important than what the bait actually does. So um, by being a, a custom shop and doing everything, and that's one thing that really separates us from our competitors out there. You know, if you come by our shop, we've got countless molds, um, countless components. You know, if, if you want to build a spinner bait, you know, we got whatever size wire you want to build it on the things that uh, you may not find in any of your big box retailers. Um, maybe because they won't last as long because you like this really light wire spinner bait, um, but it catches more fish. So, you know, we can do that for you. Um, you know, so one of the things that I say makes us the best is that we're going to give you exactly what you asked for. If you ever go to any of the stores that sell some of our products and you don't see exactly what you want, my cell numbers on the back of all those packages and give me a call, you know, as long as we got a little bit of time and, you know, we can, we can even start from drawings if we need to, right. We, at the end of the day, we're going to get you exactly what you want. Yeah. And I, I, you know, dealing with custom companies, that's typically why a lot of customers are drawn to a custom company such as Cajun Tackle House or any other, other custom lower building company out there, in my opinion, and, you know, you brought up something earlier, you know, we talked about a lot of the companies of the past that were local companies. And you and I have had conversations before you had the old, you know, a lot. Louisiana is well known for a lot of great lore, custom, custom lore design companies. Um, you know, is that something that you agree with as far as, you know, it seems to be a really hotbed for lore designers down here in Louisiana. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. We've had, uh, we've had a lot of great lure companies come and go. And, uh, I mean, Hey man, it's, it's God's country, right? We got some of the, some of the best fishing and hunting down here. We, most of us, if we don't live on the water, we're right around the corner from it. So, uh, you know, it's like over here, we, we come up with a new design. We want to test something, man. We walk out in the backyard and test it. And a lot of times we catch fish on it. Yeah, and that's what's great about where you are down in South Louisiana. When you're below I-10, Chris, you have a lot of water down in South Louisiana. Um, and like you said, literally, where your shop is located at is, I mean, it's a couple of steps away from, from the water uh, down there behind uh, famous Dwarons Landing um, right out of Stevensville, Louisiana. And, uh, man, I mean, it, it's really a, a perfect environment to, to do a lot of testing with the lures that you guys come out with. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily swimming pool test lures. You can put them to, to work and design them out there and test them in, in a real environment before you even offer them to your customers on the market. Correct. So now, you know, we mentioned some of those companies. That's kind of a point I was going to make is that some of these old companies and you and I have talked about before, like, you know, um, companies that are still around right now, uh, you know, um, companies like rumba doll and you know uh what was the old jig company that uh slam dunk lures companies like that 
Chris, in your opinion, why do these companies you, you you think they're such a big hit for so many years and so popular, and then eventually they fade out? What a lot of people ask ask that and talk about that oftentimes. What's your opinion on why these companies are big hits and then they they kind of fade out over time? Uh, well, in regards to uh, to those two, and like I said, this is. This isn't the Bible, right? But you know, the the rumor mill has it that um, you know that these cities companies, both of them, had sold along the way. And uh, from what I understand, you know, like Rumbadol, at, at one point it it ended up um, with a guy, and whether it's true or not, supposedly he more or less bought it as a tax write off, right? And um, you know, a, a lot of people. Um, you know, don't know where to get the product anymore, right? Um, you know, if if I was to sell Cajun Tackle House tomorrow to uh, to somebody, say in Minnesota, and um, and they had no marketing, um, a lot of guys would be like, "Man, I don't know where to get it from." Right? So uh, at that point, until you can um, until you can find out where to get it, you, you kind of gotta find something to substitute in the meantime. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, man. And, I, and I, you know, being in that industry, I would assume that it is a very tight-knit community. You have to – you really have to not only sell your product, but you have to sell yourself to your vendors that you deal with in order to get materials. Um, I mean, am I correct when I say that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see that that definitely being something. You know, you have to have a, a community that you can count on to get supplies because hey, especially like right now, Chris, with the, with the way it is going right now with the economy, everybody's out of materials and this and that. Has that kind of factored into the tackle building side in your in your world as far as being able to not receive you know materials to build lures? How how has that affected you if it even has affected you? Uh, it definitely, it definitely has affected me. Um, you know, now is, uh, is so And you know, now I'm looking at 2,500 per skew and a two to three month lead time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. It's changed. But you have to adapt to that, of course, you know, and you, and therefore you have to, you know, most customers nowadays, they want the product as fast as they could get it. They need it whenever they need it. They may have a big tournament coming up, something like that. So it, it's really, it's a, it's a tough battle to, uh, to keep them happy and also keep, uh, keep the materials coming in to be able to build these lures. It's not just something that's, that's easy. And like I tell a lot of young people that are starting out, you know, saying, hey, I want to start my own fishing company. I want to start building lures. If you were to give anybody advice on that, man, where, where would you where would you direct them to start? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I guess the easiest place to start is, uh, you know, go find go find somebody such as myself that will uh, 
sit down and educate you a little bit about the business, uh, you know, show you um, some of the minimum items that you're going to need, right? Um, you know, depending on uh, what your bait building venture is going to take you into, there's there's certain tools that you're going to need to to do certain things the right way, um, you know, and there's, there, there's places uh, all over that you can buy components, right? I mean, a lot of these uh these guys that are local builders right um they use jans netcraft and uh, lure parts online which is you know two companies that you um you kind of pay more towards the retail price of things and um you know not get as good of a price break on it but you can buy in smaller quantities and um you know you can buy without a manufacturer's id um you know they've even they even sell some tools there right so uh, that that's where a lot of people get their start at. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the common magazines that you see sent to the house. Uh, everybody that's you know sent or at least tampered with doing their own lures and stuff like that. They probably all purchased from Jan's Netcraft and Lure Parts Online, that type of stuff. So that that's that's good advice. I mean, that's a place where if you're looking to start a company and to start small, which most people do. That's that's probably a good good place to start, you know. Yep. Now, you know, we talk about the way you know you, we used to purchase tackle. You brought that up, how you kind of got into uh, into fishing and building lures, kind of tampering with lures at an early age. To go back in, in in your history as far as an adolescent, when when did you get involved in the outdoors and and starting to get you know into fishing? that type of stuff because nowadays you see a big push on a lot of organizations talking about getting kids involved and i know cajun tackle house is always been involved with getting a lot of youth uh involved in fishing and helping aid a lot of young anglers here in louisiana to uh to help with whether it's a sponsorship or getting them lures to be out on the water fishing that is a huge deal and i have to commend you on that man since you uh, have you know been around with Cajun Tackle House? I've noticed through social media and word of mouth that that's something that's pretty important to you as the owner of, of Cajun Tackle House. Yeah. I'm kind of losing you. There you go. You there, Chris? Uh, the first started the, the college fishing. Um, they were promoted. That was an Everstar series, yeah. and um, it's a part of Texas on Falcon Lake. And um, you know, it, it, uh, it's really blown up. It, it's a it's a great thing for the kids. And uh, Chris, I, I got you back. Hopefully, man, we uh, we had a little communication uh, issue there, hiccup, but we've got you back now. And before we uh, we got disconnected, we were talking about how much Cajun Tackle House uh, has really, you know, did a big push to help a lot of our Louisiana youth get out on the water um, and do some fishing and helping those guys out and furthering their passion for the outdoors. So if you could kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was saying uh, I wanted to make sure everybody uh, that was listening knew if um... – if they fish college or high school or, or know 
anybody that's fishing uh, college and high school circuits uh, to please get in touch with us. And uh, my cell number is 985-519-3366. We do offer um, all those kids fishing a discount on all Cajun Tackle House product to to try to keep them on the water and keep them catching fish. So, uh, so yeah, I just, I want to make sure everybody knows that. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, you asked about how I got started and, um, and basically what I was, when I was, oh man, I was in high school, um, I guess when, when I really started fishing a whole lot. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, back then we'd have to, we had the dry run circuit. I'm sure you remember dry run circuit. And, uh, that was like one of the big things we had around here locally. And, uh, you know, I don't remember how many yards I would have to go mow the grass and, and, and I would save my money. And, uh, and we had a, uh, a good family friend that did a lot of tournament fishing and, you know, I could, I could pay my half of the entry fee for the dry run circuit. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of took me under his wing and, you know, we, uh, we started fishing competitively there and, and just kind of branched out ever since. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, to have somebody kind of take you under their wing, and that that's really what it's about. Um, you know, did did you grow up, you and your dad, fishing together at all? Or was that something that was he involved in the outdoors to where you kind of were exposed to it at an early age? Or was that, that gentleman you were talking about that was the one that exposed you to the outdoors? No, man. Uh, it, it started at a really young age with my father, right? We used to fish a lot, uh, fish with my dad, fish with my grandpa. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as I started getting a little bit older and, uh, you know, trying to get into, uh, into competitive fishing, um, you know, when I was growing up, both of my parents were law enforcement officers. So, uh, as you know, they, they work all their regular schedules and then, uh, they're always trying to pick up extra detail to make sure all the bills get paid. So, um, so yeah, every chance that, uh, that my dad had available, you know, he, he made a point to, to come fishing with me. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we did a lot of that when, uh, when I was a child. Okay. Well, something Jackson asked me, you know, my son Jackson pretty well. And he asked me, he said, dad, one of the, one of the, questions i want you to ask mr chris on the show this week is ask him what his first boat was because he had jackson has his first boat now it's a it's a it's a john boat we got him chris and uh mm-hmm. and he's been pretty pumped up fishing out of that thing for the last year pretty much now and man he, he always is interested to see what other people's first boat was because he he thinks he he's uh shitting in high cotton i guess right now with that john boat he is man he is uh yeah my my first boat, I'll never forget it. It was a, uh, it was a 15 foot, um, all weld with a, uh, with an old 50 Mariner on it. Um, my dad had, uh, traded a guy, a, uh, one of his, uh, competition pistols for it. Wow. And, so uh, traded him a pistol for the boat. That's right. My dad used to shoot, uh, shoot competitively. Um, and, uh, you know, and he one of his one of his old uh, competition uh, pistols. He he actually swapped uh, two of them for uh, for that little flat boat. And wow, uh, man, we used to run that thing. Uh, you know, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, I can imagine, man. So look, just think, fast forward to today's modern age. I think he got the raw end of that deal. Well, maybe he didn't, Chris. 
you know, because to him it was worth it, it was worth it, man. You getting out on the water, but with the with the value of firearms nowadays, man, that, that those guns would be worth some money nowadays. They'd be worth more than that forty-two jumbo, probably. Huh? Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, the you know the uh, the, mem- <laughs> the the memories made in that boat, you know, you can't uh, you can't put a value on. That's right. And that's the side that, that you, you don't, you know, most people, you can't see it, but you can remember them, man. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. Well, grow, you know, growing up, when you talk about those early days of fishing down, was, was what was the body of water? Were y'all fishing Lake Verrett down there or, or the spillway at Chafalaya Basin? What, what, where'd you start cutting your teeth at when you started getting on public water? We used to fish, uh, fish down on the wax a good bit. Um, you know, we we fished a little bit in Stevensville and uh, and in the spillway as well. Um, but we we spent a lot of time in uh, in what they call the, the wax. Uh, you know, between the uh, the river and the and the Calumet Cut. Got you. And for those of you listening from out of state, we're talking what, Chris? The lower end of the Chaffee Basin, I guess you could say. Am I correct when I say that? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, way down south in, in in the bayous. That's what that's what we'll say for all our out of state guys that are listening. So you know, we talk, Chris, uh, getting back into the tackle side of it. Cajun Tackle House. Whenever you know your company started out, what what's some of the products that you started out whenever the company first started, and kind of when you broke into the market? Around what what year did you break into the market, and and kind of fill everybody in on what what you started with? Hmm. Man, that's that's a long time ago. It seemed like, like uh, <laughs> I stumped you. It sounds like on yeah. that one. Well, you know, I, I guess it was uh, it was about two thousand and and nine. Um, you know, and uh, you know, we started out with uh, with tungsten weights, and then uh, went into spinnerbait and jig and um bladed jigs and um you know there's a hundred different types of jigs now right i think we started off with about two or three and now we make probably 15 or 20 different jigs um you know buzz baits uh you know we kind of we kind of started off with um i guess what 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 we liked you know and uh and it just grew from there you know um the custom side took off and, uh, you know, man, it's, it, it's crazy to, to, to know where we were and, uh, to, to see where we're at now. And, um, and the, the industry as a whole, um, has really exploded. Um, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be one of the fastest growing industries out there right now. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. Anything outdoors, Chris, it seems like it's exploding, you know, especially since the pandemic hit last year. Um, this crazy world we live in now with the, the COVID situation and the way things are, it, you know, if you have anything to do, man, with outdoors, whether it's fishing, boating, camping, you know, hell, golf, man. Try to go buy a set of golf clubs nowadays. It's, you can't get golf clubs anymore. So anything that's outdoor related, it has just exploded, you know, because people – People, in my opinion, kind of got back to the basics with their families. They, you know, a lot of the, the sports and events got canceled. So we were forced, man, to go 
to go back to some of those those things that we grew up doing that as adults we didn't have the time to do anymore you know correct correct yep it's it's really simplified our lives a lot and, and in my opinion that's been a good good thing that's come out of this this total mess you know so yeah the tackle business and industry is no different i agree with you now you know something with the tackle industry that that over the years with the internet and all that stuff chris um, you know, we used to when we were coming up as kids and stuff like that, we would have to walk into the tackle stores like we talked about to buy the lures that we wanted. And then then it got to the point where you mentioned you were tweaking them and making some of your own lures. Well, now on when the internet hit and online companies like Tackle Warehouse and you know, we even mentioned the lure building companies like Barlow's and some of these other companies, when all that hit, where do you see and, and how much did that affect the local the local tackle stores that you don't really find nowadays. You know what I'm talking about? Like you guys, you know, you have a tackle storefront that's local to your area, but Mm -hmm. those guys like you are disappearing all across the United States. In my opinion, nowadays because of a lot of big companies that are online, you know, do you feel that that's, that's kind of played a, a huge part in seeing some of those mom and pop stores disappear over the years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, uh, to, to be competitively priced with, with some of these, uh, tackle warehouse guys. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You, you're trying to compete with them price, right? Price wise. And then you still got to try to compete with them service wise, you know, um, you know, these guys can, uh, can now you, you get on online, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night after you took your shower and you're sitting in your pajamas watching TV and man, you start browsing and shopping baits and never leave your house. And a couple of days later, it shows up on your front door. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's hard to compete with, with a lot of people. Um, you know, but the custom side of things that we do, um, is what really helps us. And, and, um, you know, you can't compete with that, you know, um, because the I guess if the if the amount of people that buy every day on Tackle Warehouse were to were to buy from Tackle Warehouse but everything they ordered was custom and and not just run of the mill stuff from overseas, there's no way they could keep up. You'd you'd be waiting six months for stuff. So yeah, uh, that's, so, that's a good point. You know, that that helps out and um you know we we try to keep our overhead low. Um, of course, this is, although a full-time job, right? This is this is my second job. You know, I work in the oil field like most everyone else down here for the time being. And, um, you know, there's, there's little things you can do. Um, but at the end of the day, when when, when you start selling selling baits and, and you're trying to pay the overhead of a, a building in town and um, electricity, water, and everything that goes along with it, you know, and you're making, you know, a, say a dollar a bait. Uh, you got to sell a lot of bait just to break even. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell a lot of guys, you know, I say, the, the, like we talked about these young guys asking questions about starting a tackle business. Uh, it's not a business that you typically going to get rich off of. That's for sure. You know, um, I had that very same conversation with Zach Dubois over at Cajun Lures. Uh, that's another company based here in Louisiana years ago when, 
when Zach was coming out of college, uh, you and I actually got to know Zach back when he was fishing for UL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he had brought uh, – he was on staff with Cajun Tackle House as a pro staffer because, once again, you were supporting all those those young guys that were, you know, fishing. And he was fishing for UL. And I remember me and Zach, he was picking my brain and, and kind of asking questions. And uh, I said, man, I said, you know, it's something that you don't expect to get rich doing, you know, making making fishing lures. It's fun. It's a passion you got. I say go for it. But you're not going to be rich off of it. And, uh, and you know, it's funny, Chris, because just a, about two years ago at the Louisiana Sportsman Show in Gonzales, which you guys participate in, uh, we were in line waiting to get a beer after the show had ended. And uh, yeah, I said, man, I said, it's, it's amazing to see what you've done with the company, you know, and where you've taken it. And he said, yeah, he said, but you were right about one thing. He said, you aren't going to get rich doing it, you know, and that's the truth that unless unless you just wanted to bless the ones that has one of these huge conglomerate companies come in and buy you, um, man, you're not going to, you're not going to become wealthy off of it. You know, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? You there, Chris? Hello. Hey, Jake, you there? I think I lost you again. I'm here. I can hear you, buddy. We having some technical difficulties with all this bad weather tonight, huh? All right, Chris, you back with us? Yeah, somebody tried calling me and. I don't know. After the call went away, uh, I guess we got disconnected again. I don't know what was going on there. Well, man, that's just that's the things you got to deal with when we go live like this. So, guys, bear with us. Sorry for the uh, for the interruptions this week. The, between the weather uh, that we have down here in Louisiana, it's it's kind of messing with our communication this week. So, I don't know what's the last thing you heard, Chris. I was talking. I don't know if you have a on it. Yeah, yeah. Last I heard, you were talking. Uh, you know about old Zach, and uh, you know he ran to it. He was saying how uh, you know it's definitely a labor of love, which I will agree with him one hundred percent. That's that's correct, man. So look, so now with the evolution, you know, we started out with with the baits for Cajun Tackle House. That's what got you guys rolling, and you guys, you eventually opened up a tackle front or uh, store, a storefront. Let me say that. Um, down right there next to your house in, in uh, Stevensville, Louisiana, or near Morgan City, and uh, and then how, do you have a store where customers can go and actually shop in the shop with you? Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, they can give us a call, and uh, you know, um, usually most afternoons uh, I'm here, and you know, I always welcome to come stop by, do a little shopping. We'll uh, we'll build a few baits while you're here, and. Make the best of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. And you get that personal touch like that where uh, there's not another tackle store I know of personally that you can walk into and, and do some shopping and get some of your baits made up for you while, you, while you're there shopping, man. That, I have to say that's pretty cool, you know, for most people being able to do that. Yep, yep. We enjoy it, man. Uh, we, get to, we get to meet a lot of new folks that way. That's right. That's right. You sure do. 
And, and you know, something, Chris, that really catches my attention. I know a lot of people have mentioned this when I mentioned Cajun Tackle House that we fish, you know, a lot of a lot of lures from Cajun Tackle House is is the names, man. The names of the baits that you got, these lures. Where did you come up with these names? I, I know a lot of people if you look at some of the names that you got out there, man, the good grenade, uh, the Cajun steamer flipping jig, the whispering eye quiver jig, man. I have to say, man, some of that stuff kind of sounds kind of dirty, man. Where do you come up with these names for these baits? <laughs> well, being completely honest with you, uh, a lot of them uh, came from sitting around a fire drinking a beer with some buddies. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, so uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them were named from, uh, from from different pro staff guys along the way, and, uh, you know, names have just kind of stuck. I'd, I'd say they have stuck, man. You you know when you hear those names, you know exactly what lures you're fishing at that point or who somebody's talking about, man. So that that's pretty cool. I have to say it's, it's some unique. And, and I know, you know, over the years you've had some uh, some national, you know, uh, notoriety from other, other guys, writers that have written articles about the lures uh, that you guys offer and so on and so forth, done some little, you know, videos on stuff. So that's, that's always a, a big plus, man, when you have guys that are intrigued by the stuff you build, especially as a custom builder. That's got to be very satisfying to you, you know? Absolutely, absolutely, man. It's, uh, you know, it's always satisfying to, to, to build a lure from for anybody, right, whether it's a, a child just getting started out or whether it's the elite guys that call you and say, hey, man, I need you to build this for me, but uh, we got to keep it hush-hush because I'm sponsored by this person and I can't say nothing. Hey man, we're gonna take care of everybody. Yeah, so that that probably happens. I, I would assume that's stuff that you never hear about. But uh, is that stuff that you get happen to you, where they, you get guys like that that are that are fishing professionally that that ask you to build certain things for them? Absolutely, absolutely, man. We uh we ship lures all over the country for uh for a lot of different people. Um, and that includes uh includes the elite guys, right? And you know uh we respect them as as well as anybody else whether it be not mention their name uh whether it be not not share their uh their secret you know their secret color or their secret concoction um you know we uh we respect that for everybody so uh you know don't don't be afraid to get with us and uh and develop something new or develop something unique or uh just have us build uh your old tried and true you know that's right. That's right. Some of those hard to find colors you can't find anymore. And, you know, now we, 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 we kind of say this as we get ready to close out the show this week, but a big part of your business now with Cajun Tackle House is it seems to be from what I'm seeing on social media, a lot of your posts nowadays, um, custom rod building, man. And that's, that's a completely different area of, of the business that uh, is, is, you know, I have to say highly competitive, man. That's a competitive market to break into. So what got you into building custom rods? What made that decision to go from, hey, doing, you know, I've been doing lures for all these years to, to let's break out into the rod market now? Uh, Well, Corona had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, sitting, sitting at home with a little bit of idle time and, um, you know, basically – you know, you and I both, we, we worked in big box retail at one time in our life. And, uh, you know, the, the old Cabela story, right, where he started in his garage. And, um, you know, basically that, you know, if everybody, everybody would love to uh, make a living 
doing their passion and um you know just started started looking at ways to uh to grow the business and and and, and grow our market basket and and stick with with what we do you know give you the best product that we can give you for your money and uh, and so we we broke off into uh into the rod build market and um you know it's it's been a little while coming we did a lot of research and uh you know before we pull the trigger on on the components we use and um you know it's 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 taken off like a rocket ship um we we built a really good rod and um you know right now everything is 100 percent custom um we do have some 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 factory rods that are will be coming down the pipe um we, you know we hadn't really mentioned that yet but uh but that is coming to uh to try to get a uh a, a still a good quality rod at a uh more affordable price and um so we will we will have some of that coming down the pipe uh, as well as a few other things well there you go folks you heard it first it sounds like you kind of let the cat out of the bag on that one chris uh some new product coming from Cajun Tackle House, uh, in a special on the rod side of, of, of your uh, tackle arsenal. And, uh, you know, something uh, I'm assuming, you know, it's it's a budget friendly, like you said. That's that's kind of the goal behind that series. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's being something that the average guy could afford, you know? Yep, that's correct. Uh, which is a good question, you know, to bring up, Chris, because nowadays, you know, back whenever we were growing up, um, especially in my, you know, me in the eighties and that time when I was coming up as an adolescent, man, there, there was no in between. You either had good equipment or you had bad equipment. You know, if mm-hmm. you, if you didn't spend money, you didn't have good equipment to fish with, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and nowadays it seems like the market's so vast now that you could kind of get, there's, there is an in between market. Now you can, mm-hmm. you could not spend three or $400 necessarily on a rod and reel setup. And, and get a very good quality rod and reel setup for maybe a hundred dollars. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's uh there there's great products for uh, for every budget out there. Um, you know, I, I think the first thing you got to do is is take a step back and say, you know, what do I want out of this piece of equipment, and um, and then go that direction. That, yeah, that's very good advice because. You know, we get a lot of the young anglers, and and even on the hunting side, which we're predominantly a hunting podcast here, especially during you know hunting season. Um, but we hear we hear a lot of these. We get questions from a lot of these young hunters and young anglers, and and they they say, "Man, I don't have the money to buy a good setup." And I say, "Well, what do you mean by that?" You know, and well, I don't have three or four hundred dollars to spend on a rod and reel setup. You know, and I and I respond to those kids, and I tell them, I say, "Look, you don't have to have." three or four hundred dollars you know now you know i could tell these kids you know hey you could call my my good friend chris thornton over at cajun tackle he has a budget series rod coming out that that's affordable that you could afford and you're going to get good quality out of it you know you don't have to spend three or four hundred dollars on necessarily maybe a custom built rod or you know an expensive rod that you buy in a big box retail store correct correct yeah, so that's that's the, just one of the biggest misconceptions I see a lot of the, the young guys make, you know. Um, and it really, I mean, I think that's what they think that they can't compete if they don't have the money to compete, and that's really not the case at all, man. So I'm really glad to hear you guys are, are going to offer a budget series rod. You know, I think that's a great thing. 
Um, but right now, as far as the custom rods go, do you offer um, – I mean, when you say custom rods, what, what in your opinion sets the custom rod other than, you know, a customer saying, hey, I wanted this color, I want that on it. What, what sets a custom rod apart from a store-bought rod um, and why do you oftentimes pay more for that custom rod? Well, um, one, one, one reason that you, you spend a lot more on the custom rod is, uh, is labor, labor in the States and the, the time it takes to, to build that rod, do it right. And, um, and put out a quality product. Um, you know, one, uh, one thing I, I will, uh, tell people interested that are interested in a custom rod, um, if you're not buying a custom rod from Cajun Jaguars, that's okay. But just do your due diligence to to question that builder. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions out there is uh, is that because you spent four hundred dollars on a rod, um, you've got the the best thing since sliced bread. And uh, I've seen it too many times in the industry where you know somebody spends four hundred dollars on a rod from a custom rod builder and they get the cool factor of the bright colors and all that they like, but they got $20 worth of components in it. And, um, and you're really not getting a whole lot for your money other than the pretty colors, like you said. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do, um, with custom rods and, and, you know, for someone such as yourself that plays a little bit of golf, you know, you kind of compare it to a custom set of golf clubs, you know, um, you know, we can, we can basically do anything, whether it, you know, move this inch there, change the action, a little bit by cutting here, cutting there, you know, changing handle lengths. Um, there, there's so many little details that you really can nitpick um, and, and have a truly custom exactly what you want rod in your hand. And it feels great and, you know, it's light and you can fish it all day and it's it's what you want as a fisherman. But uh, but to all the young guys, don't, um, don't ever think that because you don't have one of these, you know, high dollar custom rods that, um, you're at a disadvantage because you're not. Um, man, there's there's so many variables that you can change um, to to make up for for things such as sensitivity. You know, you can, you know, make up for a little bit less sensitivity in a in a blank by changing the type of line you use and, and things of that nature, right? Yeah, yeah, and I agree. There's the little things sometimes make the biggest difference when it comes to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what, what, what I try to suggest to people, if you're going to, um, you know, get into a couple of custom rods, you know, you don't have to come in and say, I'm going to replace all 24 rods I got with hundred percent custom rods. You know, I suggest to people, if they're going to buy a few custom rods, sink them into, um, maybe some of your worm fishing or, um, whatever your favorite way to fish is the, the thing that you have the most confidence in. Um, because let's, let's say a, a spinner bait, for instance, right. Um, most times when that fish hits that spinner bait, they're going to annihilate it. Um, so you don't need a, a high modulus $400 rod, uh, to throw a spinner bait on. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need to, uh, to feel that little, tick of your line like you would say fishing a jig or flipping or something along those lines yeah that that's a really good point you bring up there chris and i think that's that's valuable information for for an angler whether you're experienced or, or you know starting out yeah you know something that's a reaction bait 
I could I could see where you know you don't necessarily need um, you know a high dollar rod necessarily, or let's say a four hundred dollar three hundred dollar rod necessarily. So I never mm-hmm. thought of it that way, but that's that's a very good point you make there. So, well, as far as as far as outdoors, we talked about how you got into the outdoors, Chris. What a lot of people may not know is you also enjoy hunting, man, and that's that's what we are all about. Uh, you know. Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast was originally started for hunting purposes. We are a group of guys that like to hunt, uh, hunt with my boys, my son. And uh, you and I, over the years, have done some some duck hunting together, man. Um, Do you still get a chance and an opportunity to go out and hunt ducks nowadays, or are we too busy in the tackle shop? Man, we stay pretty busy. It's uh... Yeah, I, I I still get to make a few deer hunts every year and uh and keep the keep the freezer full, but uh I uh I hadn't made a duck hunt in a while, so uh man, maybe we need to go uh go rent that place out again and spend the night on them military cots like we used to and uh go freeze our butts <laughs> off. <laughs> That's right, man. You remember that trip we took uh took down to uh Celine Larto? We hunted uh Dewey Wills several years back. Yeah, oh yeah. Man, that that seems like it was a de- at least a decade ago, which it may have been, man. And uh, I remember we were on Dewey Wheels, and none of us really had duck boats at the time, none of that type of setup. And you had you had an, a big aluminum flat that seems like it was as wide as a school bus, man. And, <laughs> and who was it on that trip? It was you and me, and uh, who else we had with us? Do you remember? Uh, Travis was with us. Travis, Travis Laurent, our good buddy Travis. That's right. And his brother, I think, if you, if I'm not mistaken, his brother was with us. Yeah. 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 There was a, there was a couple more people for sure. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, every time, uh, I sit down and watch TV and I look at that, uh, that canvas back sitting up there on the wall, I, uh, I remember how everybody blasted him after I'd shot him. <laughs> yeah, you. Hey, I'm. I'm glad you bring that up. That you actually mounted that canvas back, huh? I did. I did. Man, that's awesome. I forgot about that. Uh, we so we we took Chris's boat for everybody listening. We took a trip. We had a camp at Dewey Wheels for many many years, and at the time, uh, we had sold the camp one year, and we we took a trip. I told these guys and said, "Hey, look, they got some really good duck on down there. Uh, it could be really good for public land, but it's like." every other public land it could could suck sometimes too but we went down there we had this big old john boat that you had uh with like i think a farted mercury or something like that we cutting across the lake and i remember this this thing was spitting and sputtering the waves were kicking up and uh none of us knew really what the hell we were doing or where we were going to set up and hunt but we ended up setting stuff back in that little pocket huh chris i think and uh right off of the main lake and uh Man, I remember that them canvas backs kind of just coming in on us. And uh, for those of you who hunt that area, the central part of the state around Catahoula, Dewey Wheels, it, it is a canvas back, you know, uh, wintering area. So if you want to kill a canvas back duck, it is a phenomenal area to go to if that's on your bucket list. And uh, and I remember that at canvas, Chris. If I remember correctly, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Is but what didn't none of us really notice when that that duck landed in the decoys? It was we kind of looked up and he was just sitting in the decoy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody tried to tell me it was uh, one of them trash birds. And, <laughs> uh, you know, once uh, once I took the shot and uh, decided I was gonna mount him, uh, everybody I think 
that was there emptied every round they had into that bird. <laughs> yeah. So I'm but, assuming that mount you got, he's probably not a flying mount. He's <laughs> probably going to be something. Uh, how'd you end up mounting him? I guess so. That's what I'm asking. I guess. He's uh, he is flying, believe it or not, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, those, those guys did an excellent job with that bird. And, um, and it, it it came out real good, all things considered, for sure. So, so I, in, in this situation, do you remember who the taxidermist was? Because we got to give him a shout out. Uh, man, he he's in home, Louisiana, uh, on Savannah Road. I, I don't remember the name of the place, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he uh, he did a really good job on that bird for sure. Man, honestly, you know what I think happened there, Chris? I think that bird he threw that bird and probably just gave you some. <laughs> He may have. He may have. I think I think you got somebody else's canvas back in that situation. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way in hell that's a flying mount of that canvas back that got shot. <laughs> oh man, that that was good time. That was a great trip. I had a good time, man. And and we need to get back and we need to make another trip. We man, you know, <laughs> It's 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 sad because waterfowl hunting has gotten worse and worse every year here in Louisiana. It seems like, and we've talked about that time and time again on on the podcast. And uh, you know, I know you, I know you, you, you necessarily didn't do a whole lot of waterfowl hunting after you know we had taken that trip, but you you do deer hunt. Do you still do you still deer hunt? You know, a little bit in the off season. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Brianna, your wife, she does she hunts with you a little bit too, huh? Yeah. Yep. 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 She now. Do y'all have a lease? Y'all have a lease that y'all hunt for deer, or y'all hunt y'all hunt private or public land? Uh, we hunt. Uh, we hunt on a lease. Uh, we do a little bit of hunting in Alabama, and uh, you know, we do a little bit of hunting um, down uh, down the river. I guess uh, the best yeah. way private. Yeah. Well, good man. That's good. Well, yeah. Well, we're gonna have to make a point, Chris, to get together this season, man. Have some more of them last because uh, maybe we'll try to get you another canvas, another canvas back. Uh, maybe get you a, a, a hen canvas back this year to go with you with your other one that you got on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure, uh, make sure your waiters don't have a hole in them this year. You know. Yeah, was it mine that had a hole? <laughs> man, my memory is not as good. Or was it yours? It was yours. It was mine. Yeah, that's about right. Man, now since I, I I I got a big boy job, I try to make a I try to you know make a little bit more money, work a little bit harder, so I could invest in my my equipment nowadays. So, uh, but I think I do remember having a leak, and that was being a big <laughs> issue, man. So back then, we just had to piece it together for whatever we could do. Hell, that's that's probably over ten years now, Chris. That's got to be over a decade now since I'm thinking about it. It's, it it don't seem like it was that long ago, but man. That that area, I loved it, man. I, we had some phenomenal hunts up there, you know, not too far from Catahoula Lake. And uh, and hell, the fishing's good up there. We've done really well bass fishing up there. That's where we got to know our buddy Zach Gagnar. Remember, I know you know Zach real well too. And uh, and he was he cut his teeth on on Celine Larto fishing, man. Coming up. Yep. Yep. So. Yo, Zach's a married man now. Who would have ever known, man? He uh he, he settled down now. Got got a couple of kiddos. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I feel sorry for that poor girl. I pray for her every night. <laughs> and those of you guys who don't know who we're talking about, that's our buddy Zach Gagnard. He owns Elite Guide Service, uh, which Zach's one of the one of the big guys up on Toledo Bend. Man, he could he could put you on some fish if you headed to Toledo Bend and you're looking for a guide. 
Look up Elite Guide Service on Salida Bend. Our, our buddy Zach Gagnor, uh, and he's one of the best, man. He he, Chris, he, Zach's one of them guys. He figured out that electronics pretty well, man. Up there, he he got it put together nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, he's a real real good fisherman, man, and uh, he's got a he's got a real good business going. And uh, man, if anybody's looking for a trip, hit him up. Hit them up, hit them up. Yep, definitely, guys. Well, Chris, how can how can our listeners find Cajun Tackle House, man? If we want to get some guys that aren't familiar with you, or even if they are familiar with you, and they want to order some lures, they want to uh, take a look at some custom rods, build a rod for them. How can uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you, man? Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is my cell phone, which is nine eight five five one nine three three six six. Or check us out on Facebook, man. Uh, look us up on Facebook. Uh, you can see some pictures of some of our baits there. Reach out to us in Messenger. We'll uh, we'll try to get back to you in a timely fashion. Um, having some problems with the with the website, trying to get it back up and coming, but uh, apparently somebody somebody hacked our domain and uh, and holding it ransom for about ten grand. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and start a new domain and try to get a new website up before too long. So uh, yeah, once we get that out, we'll uh, we'll post up the new website on Facebook and and try to get it out to everybody. Uh, and and maybe we'll uh, we'll come back on the show uh, in in the future and uh, and we'll be able to give that new website out as well. Well, good man. Well, yeah, we definitely. I know we had a couple of communication errors on this show with the uh, with the weather and everything, but you know what? That's why we do it live and then we roll with it. So there we go. We're gonna we're gonna put it out there for you guys to listen to. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed your time. If you're listening to this week's episode, guys, um, you can always check us out on uh, Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast uh, on all your major streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Anchor.fm, anywhere where you get your favorite uh, podcast episodes. You guys that follow us and listen to the show, you know how, how, how to get a hold of us. And don't forget to check us out on social media as well. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. Jackson's running TikTok for us now and our YouTube channel, guys, at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We have a lot of videos we bring in for you guys and add to the channel all the time. So check us out there if you're not familiar with it. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening to this week's episode. Uh, Chris, we are, man, I enjoyed the time with you tonight. I want to thank you for your time. And uh, I hope everybody got to uh, enjoy this show and, uh, and hear your story about Cajun Tackle House, man. You guys are doing phenomenal things and i wish you the very best and uh and keep it up man you you took the company further than anybody ever would could have and would have thought and uh and you doing your thing man and we really uh we're really happy for you so just want to thank you again for being on the show with us this week and taking time to, to talk to everybody absolutely man i enjoyed it myself and uh thank you for having me and uh god bless everyone and, and tight lines all right, guys, you heard it here. This is Jacob signing off for this week. We'll get back with you guys pretty soon here. We'll probably be on next week with a new episode as long as the family life allows. Uh, but until next time, guys, thank you all for listening. This is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. See you all later. Peace out.